Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to our KT Impact at 2.30 service. It's great to be with you this afternoon. I'm keen to get into God's Word with you. So the title of the message this afternoon is Commitment to the King, Palm Sunday. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew 21, and we're going to read verses 1 to 11 together. Matthew 21, verses 1 to 11. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him on them. And a great multitude spread their garments on the road. Others cut down branches on the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who cried out followed, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. So today is Palm Sunday. And as Jesus was getting ready to make his triumphant entry into Jerusalem, the prophecy from Zechariah must have been at the forefront of his mind. We see in the scriptures that both Mark and Matthew record Jesus' words as he instructs his disciples to go into the city and find this donkey. They are to ask the owner if they can use the donkey and they are to say, the Lord needs them. The prophecy that was given by Zechariah is in chapter 9 of Zechariah 9, verse 9, saying, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Pilate's entry into Jerusalem was clearly meant to send a message to the Jews about anyone that may have been plotting against Rome. Now, if Pilate's show was a test of military strength and worldly power and authority, Jesus' possession was the complete opposite. So let's take a moment and consider this in our lives. God has placed us exactly where we are. We need to trust in him. And as we trust in him, we eventually see that he will use all our trials, all our challenges, all our difficulties and pressures to bring us into a richer a deeper level of spiritual growth and beauty in him. The truth is that godly contentment emerges when we are wholly accepting of what God is doing in our lives and as we demonstrate a continued thankfulness in our attitude towards him. This day, Palm Sunday, marks a day of celebration when Jesus is worshipped and praised, but also it's tinged with bittersweet considerations because we know that whilst he's had a glorious entry into Jerusalem, he is highly conscious 
that Friday is coming. Death on the cross is close. And we know that many in this crowd will, within a few short days, swap out their praise with words of death. Going from Hosanna to crucify him, crucify him. So I have three considerations for us as we fulfill our commitment to the King in this season. Number one, commitment is never self-centered, but it is always Christ-centered. Evidently, with the crowd, their words didn't match their hearts. Ouch. Take a moment in our lives as Christians, that can often be true. The crowd possessed a, possessed a casual, half-hearted, non-committed faith. They had religion, but they had missed the person of Jesus. And so how can we have a committed faith? How can we be sincere? How can we be authentic? Well, we need to be consistent in everything that we do. Now, that might sound obvious, but we can often miss it. Our default is often presumptuous, and we push God to the margins of our lives, and we include him when we need to. In this season of coronavirus, more people have cried out to God out of a sense of need, rather than allowing him to rule and reign over their lives. And this pericope, clearly from Matthew, highlights that people praised Jesus as he passed by. And they praised him for probably two reasons. The first were his miracles that were evident. He had healed the sick. He had raised the dead. He was being praised because he had served them. But secondly, they saw that Jesus was potential, potentially going to deliver them from the Romans, to be set free from the tyranny of Rome. Their praise, however, was tempered by the attitude of, well, what can Jesus do for me? And we see at the trial later on, Jesus is beaten, he's disfigured, seemingly defeated. The man no longer looked like a deliverer, no longer looked like a conqueror, no longer looked like the champion that had walked through Jerusalem so triumphantly just a few days before. And as the words were said about them, the lies began. Their attitudes changed. They shifted their position. For them, it became about me, me, and me. The second consideration for us this afternoon is that we have to develop a committed faith that is always relationship-driven. We see in the story that many threw their coats, they pulled palm branches onto the street and they shouted praise because it was the seemingly popular, enjoyable thing to do at that time. It was possibly even fashionable. Perhaps they had even started doing that with sincere motives. But others no doubt did it simply because other people were doing it. But then we read later on in the trial, the shouts of crucify him had also become fashionable. And in fact, in that moment, it was the in thing to do was to make a basic mass murderer and criminal, their hero, as they shouted for Barabbas. And so some of us can potentially relate to some of the approaches and the attitudes that we allow to develop in our own lives, where we can make decisions that are seemingly not consistent with what we actually know about Jesus. Make no mistake, friends. In our lives, a committed faith only comes through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. One where every day is fresh and new and he personally directs and leads our steps. And in order for us today to
to have a committed faith, we have to develop and enhance a personal relationship with Christ. It's not the responsibility of me, it's not the responsibility of your pastor, it's primarily your personal responsibility first. I would encourage you, declare the Lord's Prayer every single day, press into His Word, allow His presence and His Holy Spirit to capture your heart and mind each and every day. Our hearts have to be focused on Him and in those moments we move from destruction, despair, disappointment, even defeat into life, wholeness, freedom and victory that is found in Jesus Christ. But the third consideration for us this afternoon is that our committed faith simply cannot be influenced or diminished by trials and challenges. Now that's far easier said than done. Evidently offering praise and worship to Jesus during the procession was expected. Everyone was doing it. But that certainly didn't develop at Jesus' trial. Everyone was not quite so boisterous, not so confident, not so outspoken or even comfortable in that moment in being affiliated with Jesus. It begs the question, why? Well, here's the reason. The cost had markedly increased. The context had shifted. The challenges have emerged. They had decided, potentially, that it was even life-threatening to be associated with Jesus at that point. And so it begs the question for us today, friends, do we behave like that in our service to the King? Are we committed sometimes only to a point? Are we committed wholeheartedly even until it might actually cost us something? We've all heard the words, God is good all the time. And I can hear you saying, and all the time, God is good. And that is so true. But perhaps you fell into the trap that I did when I came to faith 17 years ago, thinking that once you embrace Christ, everything else in your life will always be splendid and wonderful. It's a little foolish. We know that God is good, but we know that challenges will always happen in our lives. And the psalmist makes it so clear in Psalm 34, verse 19. The righteous endure many trials and struggles, but the Lord delivers them from each and every one. And so my question is, when the challenges of life are seemingly circling every part of your own life, what's your response? Do we think, well, you know, I'm, I'm in Christ, that shouldn't happen to me. Hear me, friends, if our faith is ultimately or solely based on our situations or circumstances, only one thing is certain. We will never be fully committed. It will be casual, it will be fleeting. Now, I've gone to lots of uh, Christian worship events outside of KT and various stadiums up and down the country, and I've seen thousands of people praise and worship God together, and it's safe and it's comfortable and it's wonderful, it's enjoyable. Life is seemingly easy. In these moments our troubles have dissipated our challenges eroded our problems have evaporated but then those same people go home to their homes they go to work the next day and then the hard task of life begins can we do our praise and worship in big stadiums in the comfort of our homes in church services can we live that out 24 7 365 in our daily lives even when our boss 
is challenging us, when our colleagues are speaking against us, when life is crumbling around us, can we still say, above all, I live for your glory because our faith is grounded in him. A committed faith will always take the good with the bad, knowing that all we are ever promised in the midst of every season in our life is the presence of Jesus Christ himself. Jesus is so clear, he will never leave us and he will never forsake us. He will stand with us. And so some concluding thoughts for us this afternoon. Jesus, King Jesus, riding on a young donkey. Perfect image of peace and tranquility that God alone can bring to his people. That entry into Jerusalem may or may not have been planned to coincide with Pilate's procession through the Western Gate. Whether it is planned or not is irrelevant. What is crucial is that those two processions give us a stark contrast, which is unmistakable and frankly remarkable. The people that watched that day had a clear choice. They will either serve the God of the world, of might and power, or they will choose to serve the king of a very, very different world and kingdom, the kingdom of God. So now I want you to imagine in the comfort of your home this afternoon that you had been present in Jerusalem that day and you had witnessed both processions. And now you have a choice to make. The way things are done or the way that God intends them to be. That's our question today. That's our reflection. Because we have a choice in who we follow. And the why will always reveal the reasons. The motive of our heart in that decision. Two possessions, two theologies, two choices. Who would you choose? Which king do you anticipate ruling and reigning over your life in the coming days and weeks. So here's the take-home message. Here's the application point. Allow me to ask you some questions. We saw that Jesus asked his disciples to go and get the donkey and the colt. So what is Jesus asking from you? What does Jesus need from you today? What does he need you to do to fulfill your part in his great plan for this evidently broken world? Is it a gifting, a special talent, an ability? Is it part of your finances? Does he need your wisdom, your knowledge? What does he need? I can assure you of this, whatever he needs, he, as he speaks to you, do not hold it back. Release it freely, just as the people did with the donkey and the colt. Demonstrate that commitment. Demonstrate that you're all in. If the Lord needs it, then you release it. That's a word for us this afternoon because he will do amazing things through you as you offer that to him. So I want us to reflect for a moment in our own lives. I guarantee wherever you're watching right now, one thing is true. That every blessing, all the favour, all the good moments, all the wonderful seasons that you've experienced in your Christian life have, been, have occurred as you have responded wholeheartedly to your commitment to the King and what he has needed from you. Psalm 118 verse 24 is a verse that everybody knows almost off by heart. This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. And praise God for that word. 
But Psalm 118 verses 25 and 26 speaks so truly to us today, Palm Sunday. Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord, we bless you. So my question is, is your faith casual or is it committed? Because we're entering a significant week where Jesus suffered immeasurably for you and for me. We're entering a week where our past and our present and our future sins have been nailed to that cross. Jesus deserves full commitment. Jesus deserves everything. This week, consider your life. Consider surrendering your life to God. Perhaps you're watching and you've never heard of Jesus. You've never been sh the gospel has never been shared to you. I pray that this word would allow you to see Christ for who he really is. That he loves you, that he affirms you, and he sustains you. And that you can place your trust in him. You can place your commitment to him this afternoon. So let's conclude our time with a brief word of prayer. Father, we thank you for Palm Sunday. We thank you for your commitment to us. And we pray, Lord Jesus, in the days that lie ahead, that our commitment to you would increase. Would you help us not to be men or women who are self-centered, but we would be Christ-centered, Father. Help us have a, a faith that is evidently relationship-driven, not led by religion, Father. And Father, would you do what only you can do in each and every heart and life? And would our faith not be influenced or impacted, diminished or eroded by the challenges and trials of life, Father? But Lord, we know that you and you alone make all things work together for good, for those who love you and those who are called according to your purposes. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Praise God. Well, I hope that that has really encouraged you this afternoon, Palm Sunday. We're really anticipating a very strong time this afternoon at our 5.30 service. Pastor Colin will be bringing the final sermon in our series, Supernatural Living. The title of his message is Deliverance from the Powers of Darkness. And he will show us how we can be delivered from the powers of darkness and walk in that freedom, walk in the victory that is afforded to us and accessible to us in and through our Lord Jesus Christ. We also pray that you will continue to share with us your good news stories, your testimonies, prayer requests and things with the telephone number which is 07570-261-697. Also a big shout out to the KT Hub. If you're in the 18 to 30s, if you're a Hubite, join them on Facebook Live, just search for KT Hub or you can join them on Instagram Live at the KT Hub all one word, lowercase. They're going to have a couple of the team there sharing on Bible devotions and how we can steward our Bible devotions and our daily walk with Jesus in this season that we find ourselves in and grow in our personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, let's finish our time this afternoon in sharing with the grace. So perhaps you're with somebody this afternoon. Otherwise, let's share it together. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ 
and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forever. And surely goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives and we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. If you believe it, shout Amen and give God praise. God bless you. Have a wonderful afternoon.